do your due diligence and make sure that you have a team. If you don't have the experience, have a partner or a mentor or a coach that can guide you in the right direction. I think you can save a lot of time and headaches by having good partners and good teammates. Best ever listeners, we have launched bestevercauses.com. That's bestevercauses.com. We profile a nonprofit or a cause that is near and dear to our heart, get the word out about their cause, and also donate money towards their cause. If you'd like to, one, learn more about the causes that we're profiling, we do one a month, then go to bestevercauses.com. And if you want to suggest a cause that we profile that is near and dear to your heart, then go to bestevercauses.com. And there's a little form at the bottom of the page where you can submit one and we'll check it out. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. We only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluffy stuff with us today. Jimmy Edwards, how you doing, Jimmy? I'm good. How are you? I'm good as well. Nice to have you on the show. A little bit about Jimmy. He is the owner of High Five Group and has been in real estate for 12 years, flipped over 100 homes, is an investor in 400 multifamily doors, both passively and actively, and he's based in Dallas, Texas. So with that being said, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and your current focus? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Joe. I've been in real estate for 12 years, like you said, and I've done a little bit of it all. I've real estate agent, mortgage broker, and about five years ago, started flipping houses, accumulating rentals. And within the past 12 months, started transition into multifamily in order to scale and go bigger faster. Over the last 12 months, you started transitioning to multifamily, but I mentioned in your bio that you're an investor in 400 doors. Has that been only within the last 12 months? Yeah, and probably within the last six actually. So yeah, in the last six months, got into 400 doors. I got into two passive deals and then bought a 16-unit apartment complex with three other partners. And then about a month later, syndicated a 103-unit project. Wow. That is quick. How did you get up and running so quickly? I got mentor and I got coaches. I joined some programs and just started networking and set some goals and, and decided that's the space I wanted to be in. I actually it kind of all fell into place. Once you set your mind to something, I had a friend of a friend call me on a 26-unit deal. And while doing the due diligence on that, we met up with some other folks that we'd have previous relationships with and ended up buying a deal together. And then that just turned into some bigger and better things. The 26-unit, is that part of the passive investment? It's not. That was kind of the deal that was the spur of everything. That deal didn't work out, but it was an off-market deal. The seller was one of my neighbors and he knew I had rental properties. And he came to me with that deal and we started underwriting it. And I didn't know what I was doing. Got help, got a coach, and it kind of kick-started everything else. And it was a blessing in disguise. It didn't work out for us, but it opened the door for a whole lot of other opportunity. And once we had underwritten that deal is when I got into the passive opportunities, knowing that those would look good on my resume and that sort of thing. Why didn't the 26 unit work out? It was overpriced, basically. It was a good deal. It came to me as an off-market deal. I knew the seller. He'd been getting calls from brokers. So we worked on it, really, really tried to make it work. We 
sent him an LOI. And of course, the same weekend we sent the LOI, he got an offer for $200,000 more, which I understand, you know. So it, it wasn't the right deal, but the timing of it was perfect to get us moving in, in the right direction. What about that deal allowed you to get moving in the right direction? Understanding how to underwrite multifamily. I've been flipping houses for five years and I can look at a wholesale deal or an off-market house in 20 seconds and know if it's a deal or not. And I've gotten good at walking into seller appointments and being able to make an offer on the spot. But multifamily was a completely different animal. I mean, I was excited. I've got a finance background and multifamily really excited me. I didn't know much. I thought I owned a business, but when you get into multifamily and understanding decreasing expenses and increasing the NOI in order to trade the deal was just a new concept to me. So I learned about underwriting deals and the 26 units was, was definitely a catalyst to doing so. What have you learned as a passive investor that you've applied to the deals that you're doing as an active investor, if anything? Yeah, a lot of stuff. I've learned a lot of things over the past six months. The passive deals, it allowed me to underwrite a deal separately. And a lot of the passive opportunities that I see and that I believe in are definitely people-driven. I mean, I think the sponsor is one of the most important parts, second to the deal in the market. But just having the ability to underwrite the passive deals, I probably underwrote six or seven before I jumped on one. And just being able to kind of watch from the sidelines and being comfortable doing that and then it adding to your resume. So while you're underwriting deals that you want to take down, you're kind of watching from the sidelines. And then having a little bit of stake in the deal and being able to bounce questions off people and just opens up more conversation, if anything, talking with other passives and other sponsors. Did the passive investments help you with the lender approval on your active deals? Absolutely. 100%. And that was probably why the 26 unit deal was a blessing in disguise because we went to lenders and said, Hey, we have this deal. And they said, what does your resume look like? And so far it was, I'm a Texas real estate broker. I own rental properties. I've flipped a hundred houses and none of that really mattered. So immediately the next step was let's turn over some rental properties, do some flips and get into some passive deals. And being a limited partner in two or three deals, gives you some street credibility. Really, it helps you build your resume and allows you to get some experience without really having to do a whole bunch of legwork. So I'd say absolutely that was monumental in allowing us to take down our own deal. Why are you transferring to multifamily when you've flipped over 100 homes and I imagine you have that process down pretty good? For me, scalability I guess the natural progression of a real estate investor in my mind is going from single family into multifamily. The ability to scale, having more of a team in place. And I also think that it's a little bit more, I hate to use the word recession proof, but I don't know, five, seven years ago, I had a lot of money in Apple and Steve Jobs died and my shares cut in half. So I kind of went through the recession as a loan officer and as a lender. Rates were low and I was refining people that were underwater and Single family, especially being here in Texas and Dallas, Fort Worth, the rental portfolio that I've built has a lot of trapped equity. 
And on top of the scalability with multifamily, I think that for me, I'm just currently pulling my chips off the table, so to speak, and, and single family and, and redeploying them into multifamily. I think that you have the ability to 10x your money much faster in apartment complexes if you're buying the right deals and underwriting them correctly and, and being conservative and increasing the NOI, whereas single family homes, you're riding the cash flow, but you're waiting on appreciation most of the time. Even if you're buying them at a discount, you're still kind of riding the appreciation wave. So I feel that I think the market's still strong for the next couple of years. But one thing I learned, like I said, from that Apple experience is I doubled my money and I didn't pull it out when I probably should have. And something happened that was out of my control and it sucked. So I'm kind of hedging a little bit by taking those chips out and putting them into a vehicle that I think is a little more sustainable in a down economy. You are a lead partner on two deals, right? A 16 and 103 unit? Correct. There's four partners on the 16 unit deal and then the same four partners on a 103 unit deal that we did a $1 million equity raise. And so we have 23 limited partners on that deal. What's something that's gone wrong on one of those deals? And what'd you do to address it? They're both heavy value adds, which is coming from a flipper mindset. That was just something that heavy value adds seem like more opportunity, obviously, which is not always the case, but most times it can be. Heavy value adds. The 16 unit was probably an F when we got it and we're getting it to a C status. So we knew there were going to be a lot of challenges there. And the challenges came and they've, they've passed. The 103 unit deal was a little bit different. It, it was also 50% occupied. I was painted a picture that I believe everybody thought to be true. We went in. What was that picture? The chiller went out last summer. This is in Lubbock, Texas. And the chiller went out and the owner didn't get it repaired for 60 days and caused a lot of people to move out. So we looked at the financials and, and came up with an offer that we thought that made sense. And once we got into due diligence, kind of realized that that, although that may have been a true story, it was probably just the tip of the iceberg. And we began to uncover more and more issues of indications of a distressed property. Like what? Um, and there were people coming in and turning in their keys while we were doing due diligence. <laughs> um, it was really bad. And you're doing due diligence and all of the tenants are standing there talking to you and, and you want to sit there and, and listen to them because they're giving great information. So they just start telling the story of their experience the past three to four years. And there's been five or six property management companies and we're there on site and the manager's been there for two weeks and the maintenance guy, it was his third week and nobody knows anything. And it's a little bit more deeper than just a chiller being out. So it was just a surprise. We ended up negotiating close to $500,000 off the price. There was just surprises in due diligence and the financials weren't there. And we all got together and said, hey, we're still willing to do this deal, but we know that there's going to be more surprises after closing based on our home flipping experience and dealing with distressed sellers. So we negotiated the price down, got the deal, closed it. And here we are six weeks into the deal and the surprises keep coming. I mean, you know, nothing, <laughs> like nothing. What? Well, the pool hasn't been open. When we showed up for takeover two days after closing, there was a cardboard sign on the gate written with Sharpie that said pool closed because residents can't follow instructions. <laughs> if you're going to swim. Yeah. So wait, what does say? Up. What is it? Wait, what does it say? If you're going to swim, if you're going to swim, swim at your own risk. Chemicals may not be adjusted. So 
swim at your own risk of your eyes burning up or you know something <laughs> ridiculous you know that a responsible owner and a responsible property management company they're blaming it on the tenants right so we took the sign down went and grabbed one from home depot put up a proper pool closed and started investigating and in lubbock you have to have a permit to have the pool open the city's got to inspect it and the name on the last permit was three or four names ago. So the property's changed names in the past quite a few years. So we put in a form to get the name changed to the new name and we do an inspection. And obviously that have been code for more than just the last several years. So we start digging into that and it's typical of what's a destructive of a distressed property and a distressed seller. And we made sure that we had enough budget in the CapEx and we're able to keep moving forward. But it's stuff like that that we couldn't see in due diligence, but we were lucky that our experience dealing with those types of transactions put up a red flag and said, hey, you can do this deal, but it needs to trade at a value indicative of what you're feeling. The 100 plus flips that you've done, and you've indicated some things that you've applied from that experience to multifamily, but can you elaborate more on some things that you learned through those flips that you apply to multifamily? Yeah, definitely. I think there's a lot of things in the single family business that I think can be translated. I think a lot of it, relationships, understanding situations, listening to what people are saying. And I think a lot of it was trial and error, but just seeing the right indications. The single family business was great, but you'd go in and you'd buy these houses and feel that you got them at a good discount. And then you'd start digging into the project and realize why they were so quick to sell sometimes because there's a lot of underlying issues that couldn't be seen on the surface. And uh, I think that helps. I think having a pretty good understanding of the construction management aspect and walking the property, having been through so many issues in rehab, going through the rehab process and just being able to walk a property and, and see the issues, walking the apartment complex, we were able to just kind of put our eyes on it and see and and that was the thing with this deal is that we did the property tour and to the eye, it seemed to be in pretty good shape on the exterior. Granted, it was in the winter, so they had the pool winterized, which may have been coincidental timing, but we walked all 103 units and they were just in much rougher shape than we had expected. So I think there's a lot of overlapping things. I think that people could get into multifamily without single family experience. But for me, my comfort level is much, much higher. My confidence level is much, much higher. And then I think for our limited partners in our passes that invest in our deals, there's some sort of comfort level there as well, knowing that we've been in high distress situations. So it's not that different. Based on your experience as a real estate investor, so incorporating your single family and your multifamily experience, what is your best real estate investing advice ever? That's a good question. I would say probably do your due diligence and make sure that you have a team. If you don't have the experience, have a partner or a mentor or a coach that can guide you in the right direction. I think you can save a lot of time and headaches by having good partners and good teammates. Multifamily is definitely a team sport. Single family, I think you can do it on your own. You can learn from your mistakes and most of them won't be life debilitating, but getting into multifamily, I think you got to have the right team players in, in order to make solid investment. The 103 units that you are partnering with three other people, right? Four of you total. Is that correct? Correct. Okay. So you got three other partners on the 16 unit and then 
also the same three other partners on the 103 units. How do you structure that on the GP side? On the 103 unit, it was just an equal split because we all brought, I believe, equal pieces to the puzzle. Who and brought, then the same who, thing. Who brought what? Well, you don't have to name names, but just what yeah, were yeah. each each person's role? Kind of 50-50. We brought, me and my partner from the single family business brought kind of the sweat equity component, the day-to-day grind, the boots on the ground. And we brought kind of that component. And, and our other two partners, they have experience in multifamily and they have really deep resume and they were able to bring net worth and liquidity. So we kind of put the deal together. We split it up equally and they're there to guide us and to help us and answer any questions. But we've been really kind of boots on the ground, day-to-day grind, which was something we were excited to do and still are excited to do. And I I think that's what we can continue to bring to the table on other deals. And maybe uh, a few years down the road, we'll be able to be on the other side of the table and help somebody else get into the business. You're based in Dallas. The property is in Lubbock. That's about a four-hour, four-and-a-half-hour drive. So what does day-to-day grind boots on the ground look like? We go up there about every two weeks. But earlier, I talked about having the right team. And one of the reasons we felt really, really comfortable on this deal was having a property management team in place in the area with four or five other properties and lease-ups and value-add projects like this. And we really felt good about their presence in the market, the regional manager. So we communicate with the property management company pretty much on a daily basis. And so we're able to fly out there. It's, it's a short flight. It's an hour. So we fly out there and go put our eyes on everything. But the property management company has been monumental in communicating problems and resolving them and just the day-to-day operations, more so than just getting leases written. They've helped a lot with facilitating a lot of the distress that we're still working through. What do you do there whenever you go every two weeks or so? We'll walk the property. We're still at this point meeting with construction teams and landscapers, and we're implementing a water conservation program. We're changing all of the lights on the property to LED lights. We're rebranding it so it's getting new signage. And then, of course, we have 40-some-odd units that need to be turned and wouldn't be practical to have our maintenance guy and our porter doing that. So really just going up and checking the status. I think we owe it to our team and owe it to our investors to, to keep our eyes on it and just make sure that everybody's on the same page. And I feel like it's been good and it's been beneficial. And so far, we've been running really smoothly and we feel good about the progress. We're going to do a lightning round. You ready for the best ever lightning round? Let's do it. All right, let's do it. First, a quick word for our Best Ever partners. Best Ever listeners, we have launched bestevercauses.com. That's bestevercauses.com. We profile a nonprofit or a cause that is near and dear to our heart, get the word out about their cause, and also donate money towards their cause. If you'd like to, one, learn more about the causes that we're profiling, we do one a month, then go to bestevercauses.com. And if you want to suggest a cause that we profile that is near and dear to your heart, then go to bestevercauses.com. And there's a little form at the bottom of the page where you can submit one and we'll check it out. Adam Adams has one of the most active meetup groups in the world. I've personally been to one of his meetups and Adam packed that house with over 80 investors at lunch and another 60 on the waiting list. 
find out the exact six things he did to create one of the top meetups on the planet by texting the word meetup to 555-888. Best ever book you've read. Best ever book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. It's pretty cliche, but I read that book my senior year of college and it changed my life. And anytime I mention it and, and someone hasn't heard it, I pull one of many copies out of my bookshelf and give it to them for free. I think it can be life-changing if you've never been exposed to that material. This is actually a new question based on a request from the Best Ever listeners. If someone were to do 103-unit syndication on the general partnership side, what type of income should they expect to receive from that? I think it depends on the deal. Depending on the deal size, you could have $40,000 a door to $120,000 a door. So based on the NOI, I think that could really vary. On our particular deal, the sponsorship team had a 20% override, and then I think it was a 1.5% asset management fee. So the deal is about a $5 million deal. So I think the more deals you can get into and the more the bigger deals that you can do is really where you can start seeing that paying more of your lifestyle, I guess to say. Best ever deal you've done that we haven't talked about already. Ooh, that's a tricky one. I don't know. There's been a lot of memories. Um, (laughs) (laughs) That's a tricky question. My mind first went to biggest paycheck, but then I stepped back and said, what's been the most What's been the biggest paycheck? Let's do biggest paycheck. About 70,000 on a wholesale deal. So I don't do a lot of assignments. We'll close on most of our deals because a lot of times we'll get inheritances or a family member will still be living in the property. So I've done quite a few deals where the family member came to me and said, hey, this is in my name. It was my father's house, but my brother's still living with there. We're not on speaking terms. You can buy the house for X, but you got to deal with the brother. So I'll say, okay. So we'll get it under contract and we'll start talking to them and figure out some sort of situation. And then once we close, we decide if we want to rehab it or wholesale it. And a lot of times those usually end up being really good candidates for wholesale. But that particular deal did like that. Everyone was really grateful. We ended up giving the brother some money to move out and and he was satisfied. But I'd say my favorite deal, I think I made 500 bucks on, but it was the sweetest little old lady and, and she was in a reverse mortgage. It was going into foreclosure and it was underwater and couldn't short sale it. And it was one of those deals where we stopped the foreclosure two days before auction and I ended up renting her a U-Haul truck so that she could move out of state to be with a family member. And the buyer market was thin because the margins were small, but we sold it to an institutional buyer. And we made a couple bucks, but she was super, super grateful. And that's probably my most memorable deal was just being able to help somebody out. Best ever way you'd like to give back? <laughs> it's funny you asked that. I was having this conversation last night. For me, in my career, relationships have been important. I feel like I'm a good listener and I like to talk a lot. That's not unknown, but bringing other people up and helping other people get there because I couldn't have done it by myself. And along the way, there was people that were willing to help me. So that's really one of the things that I really believe in is helping other people along the way and and being a mentor if you can. And I get a lot of satisfaction out of that component. How can the best ever listeners get in touch with you and learn more about what you got going on? You can go to my website. It's High Five Multifamily. It's all spelled out. You can email me, call me. I'm on Facebook, LinkedIn, Jimmy Edwards, everywhere. And I think those links are on the website too. Awesome. High5multifamily.com. We'll have that in the show notes page. Jimmy, thanks for being on the show and talking about your career in real estate 
how you're in apartments now, what you've applied from the 100 plus fix and flips that you've done to apartment investing and the benefits of investing passively first to help get credibility with lenders as well as just being able to underwrite deals and look at deals faster and more effectively and have some people who have experience to ask questions to along the way. And then now how you structure it with your partners on the general partnership side and how you make money on the general partnership side, as well as the due diligence, sneaky things that might come up and the stories that you mentioned along the way. So thanks again for being on the show. Hope you have a best ever day and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Joe. It was a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Adam Adams has one of the most active meetup groups in the world. I've personally been to one of his meetups, and Adam packed that house with over 80 investors at lunch and another 60 on the waiting list. Find out the exact six things he did to create one of the top meetups on the planet by texting the word MEETUP to 555 888.